Well, Jake, it wouldn't be a Westbros without trying the latest in uh, baby soda technology. It wouldn't? Nope. No, all right. I'll take your word for it. I didn't realize that was fundamental to Westbros, but go ahead. It would not. It's like it's like you, you've never been to Idaho until you've been to Jaker's, you know? It's one of those type of things. And so, I've Jake, I bought Jaker's, the... Uh, by the way. You've never been to Idaho. Or Montana, for that matter. Huh. Hmm. But... I just so happen to have in my hands here a can of Coca-Cola's newest creations. Coca-Cola creations, you'll recall they came out with a Starlight uh, recent, earlier this year. Ah, oh, yes. You'll recall. Uh, Jack, are you familiar with the musical artist Marshmallow? I hate this already. I got uh, Marshmallow's limited edition, edition Coca-Cola, zero sugar. Marshmallows. What do you? If you had to guess what the flavor of this might be, what would you guess? It's just a white can with a little drawing of marshmallow with his little bucket head. I, I'm not even entirely sure who Marshmallow is, so he makes some music. That's all I could really tell you about him. I can't okay. tell you any of his songs, though. I know he's very popular. He doesn't make... I wouldn't say he makes bad music. Is he like that dubstep guy who wore, like, the mouse head? Is that what he's going for? Uh, kind of. Yeah, he's got, like, a little... He wears a marshmallow on his head. He's okay, got the little, I see. So a, no, I see, I see. You don't so show if, it to if you had to, If you had to guess what, what marshmallows Coca-Cola would taste like, what would you guess? Um, I'm guessing, like, a s'mores kind of thing? Marsh, marshmallow? Exactly. Watermelon strawberry. You, you hit the nail right on the I head, nailed Jake. Watermelon strawberry Coke? That's an odd um, mix. Though, I thought Star, I thought the Coke Starburst tasted like s'mores anyway. So my theory oh, is that they were going to have Marshmallow's Coke See, taste thought, like Starburst. But then Marshmallow like didn't want his Coke to taste like Marshmallow's. So they switched them. That's my, that's I, my I theory. I thought the Starlight tasted like a breakfast cereal, like Frosted Flakes. Hmm. Okay, I guess I get but, that. But uh, Coca-Cola uh, is a weird thing. Crack open. You know, like, with Mountain Dew, you know, it's just they make a new flavor and they just call it Mountain Dew. But whenever Coke has a flavor, it's just Coke, but then they add something to it. And I don't see how you can do that with something like watermelon strawberry. Well, it's Marshmallow's limited edition. So this is... Coke Maybe has their new Coca-Cola creations. So apparently Coke's getting pretty experimental. Let's see how this watermelon strawberry tastes. It, uh... Smells like major melon, and uh, has a flavor to it. Okay, that's that's a good sign, I think. Yeah, it's got a got a pretty strong like fake watermelon strawberry flavor to it. Uh, I'd give it a uh, six out of ten. Could have been worse. Uh-huh. Is it as good as the I did get watermelon to try... flavor of bubblegum? No, not as good. I did get to try recently Bud Light Next. Their zero-carb beer. Absolutely disgusting. It tastes like a beer-flavored LaCroix. Yeah. That sounds very awful. This is uh, pretty mediocre. Much like Marshmallow's music. Ayo! Postmodernism, McLean. Let's talk about that for a while. Oh boy. 
Here we go. I quote from Wikipedia, Postmodernism is an intellectual stance or mode of discourse defined by an attitude of skepticism towards what it characterizes as the grand narratives of life, of modernism, opposed to notions of, of epistemic certainty or stability of meaning and emphasis on the role of ideology in maintaining systems of socio-political power. Basically, it's an idea that a bunch of commies came up with in the 50s. So, the basic idea behind postmodernism is that you cannot... There are an infinite number of ways to, to look at the world, uh, which is true. There, there are. But what the postmodernists say is you cannot prioritize any one of those ideas. There is no such thing as objective reality or objective standards, right? The idea behind postmodernism is that any, any grand narrative, any like system of, oh, we value this over this, those are all illegitimate. None of them are right. Everything is the same as everything else, like morally, basically, like everything's subjective. Claims sure. to objective That's, fact. That seems true. Wait a second. How do? <laughs> yeah. How can they? How can they new, hold? The how can they hold that to be true? What? <laughs> You've hit upon the crux of the problem. They throw out. There's no such thing as overarching this is narrative. The old, like, uh, in and of itself, humans are just an a clump of cells. You can't trust them. You're just a clump of cells. Well, no, the, the thing is, they start, they throw things out. They, so, claims to objective fact are dismissed as naive realism. We, this, we just invented this idea in the 50s. It's absolute nonsense. Uh, but now, it, it's taught. We, I've had many arguments with Gage about this. Like, postmodernism is just so accepted oh, in the public I school know. system now that, like, Gage, it's like he, he can't think outside of that almost. I mean, I'm not trying to diss the man, but that, that seems to be what happens every time we get into well, he's not about even this. here. Actually, yeah. come think of it, he's not here. Go ahead and diss him. He deserves to be dissed for not <laughs> but, being here. But yeah, so the, but there's it, no it objective is like the, fact. the whole thing of humans are just a... The mind is just a clump of cells, you know? It's it's just an object. And it's like, well, your mind's also a clump of cells, so why should I believe you? It's kind of uh, making themselves the uh, the non-reliable... Uh, it's, it's undermining their own credibility at the same time. Yes. Well, attention is drawn to the conditional nature of knowledge, claims within particular historical, political, and cultural discourses. Thus, postmodernism is characterized by self-referentialism, epistemological relativism, moral relativism, pluralism, irony, irreverence, and ecleticism. Rejects universal validity of binary oppositions, stable identity, hierarchy, and categorization. So so what they say is that... um, there's no such thing as like an objective view of history. There's no, there's no truth. There's only what this group perceives as truth, or this group perceives as truth. That's why you can go up and say, oh, you know, um, you, 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 you got a. So I, I should backtrack. What happened was in the 50s, the communists realized their their, their example of Soviet Russia. You know, wasn't looking too good. All right, communism not doing great. All right, the the corpses were stacking not up. Not ideal. You know, you, after you, the first. After the first couple 10, 10 million dead, people started to ask questions. They're starting to get a little suspicious. You were not going to sell this idea of bourgeoisie versus proletariat to the West. You weren't going to convince the poor in the West that they were being oppressed by the rich. Mainly because the uh, great thing about capitalism in the West, it made the poor richer. So, uh, you know, wasn't too miserable over here. So it was going to be a lot harder to sell communism. So the communists... And the postmodernists. So the first they had a, to introduce uh, Elvis to the mainstream. Then well, they, 
<laughs> they, they, they kind of get a, uh, uh, you know, uh, you got your peanut butter and my chocolate. You got your chocolate and my peanut butter. It came together. And uh, so they decided uh, they would just retool it. With, they'd retool it a little bit, the philosophers would. They'd introduce this postmodern idea into communism. So now instead of a bourgeois versus proletarian, there could be any number of, of oppressed versus oppressor narratives. You could have whites, blacks, disabled, not disabled. It... It goes on into infinity, the, the number of ways you can chop and hash at people and divide them up into their different uh, aspects exactly. and Jake elements. calls me ugly because I'm fat and says I need to lose weight every day. It happens a lot. You know, Jake says, right. but that's you're why a they fat piece say, of crap and I hate you. Because postmodernism says that there's no such thing as objective history. They can look at, you know, just a history book in school and go, oh, this is, you're viewing history through the lens of your group, your white group, and therefore this is white history, and it is no more valid or less valid than black history. So, and, and here's, here's what that history is. So it's is. Uh, oppression all the way down. Well, yeah, it's oppression all the way down. They fundamentally believe that the only motivation for anything is power. It's it's power all the way down. Uh, that that's why you see when people on on Twitter are like, oh, they're gonna kill us. They they if they beat us in this election, they're literally going to murder us because they fundamentally believe that everything's built on power. Because one, they're very detached from reality. Another group, and it's two, just group this versus thing. group. There are no individuals in this worldview. It's groups at war with each other all the way down. It's it's nihilism, man. It's terrible. But anyway, that's how the, uh, <laughs> yeah, the, so yeah, the Marxists, the communists, and postmodernism, and all gets whirled together into what, we, what we've got today, basically, uh, this weird idea of, it's, it's all group identity, there's, there's literally no such thing as the individual, and this is why specifically that, oh, we'll take Clarence, Clarence Thomas, for example, a black man who's not part of their group, it's like, well, that's impossible, he must therefore be white. He's, he's an agent of the white man. There's only groups. There are no individuals. That is impossible. Is this also, uh, is this also how racism came to be redefined as white people hating exactly. black people rather than exactly. one race hating Power the other? Power plus privilege. Because they, they believe the black only motivation... Black people can't be racist. The only possible motivation for anything is power. These people... There's no objective truth, so therefore, uh, if you're trying to impose something on someone, it must just be because you want power over them. So, so they redefine racism as power plus privilege. The, the problem is, once you start dividing people up in, the, the, in this new communist lens of uh, uh, it's not bourgeois and proletariat anymore, it's anybody versus anybody because, you know, postmodernism just divides everything into its own little uh, groups that can interpret things. But you could divide somebody like nine ways till Sunday. Okay, you're black, but you're also gay. Oh, but you're also, you know, disabled. Eventually, if you actually follow this logic trail down, and they don't seem to want to realize this, but if you keep going down all these like, okay, what group are you part of? I'm a disabled, gay, queer, Muslim. Like, you keep going down, you eventually arrive at individuals. <laughs> like, you, you, you can't, nobody's going to fit neatly into a group. Once you, once you actually go down the path of dividing everyone up, any possible way you can divide them up, you realize, and this is what the West realized before communism came along. We already knew this. I don't see this. people as individuals, Jakes. I just core, see them as part of a group, and they are either the oppressor or the oppressed. Well, that's the great thing about America is we realized that the core unit was the individual. 
Like that's that was all that mattered. Once you governed, that's some, once you that's governed kind of based around we, the individual um, and the individual's rights, everything else would fall into place. That's what America figured out. One of those out. lunatic, but one of those lunatic articles we were reading about the Fourth of July was saying that America's distinct and unique from a lot of other nations, especially at the time it was created, because rather than by identifying ourselves as a group of people or like rallying behind like a race or ethnicity. We rallied behind a group of ideas and values and placed them in the Constitution. Now, the person that was saying that went off the deep end and started talking about how racist we are. But it, America, like you said, it figures out the individual. And these are these rights that have been given to you. They apply to everybody. Go out and live your life. Yep. Well, what, what you get now, postmodernism, you go down the line. It, the way it manifests itself in culture and things like, um, well, let's say architecture. This is what we argued with Gage about. Architecture, what happens is postmodernism comes along and says, well, there's no objective beauty. Like, so so forget that. Uh, if, if you're trying to make something look beautiful, you're just buying into a grand overarching narrative that claims that there is such a thing as objective beauty. It's just subjective. You only think it's beautiful because you're a white American. And so therefore, you strip it. You strip it of any aesthetic quality, and it just comes down to pure functionality. It's just functionality, and it looks awful, and it's nihilistic, and you want to kill yourself when you look at it. Like the Boston City Hall. I don't suppose you got the chance to visit uh, the infamous... Uh, no, I was at the uh, North Station. That's, that's pretty bad, too, these days. Uh, and then, of course, art. Uh, there's no objective beauty. Then art is just whatever subjectively you think art should be. And so you throw crap on a canvas. There we go. It's beautiful. This is literally just a brown smudge. You bigot. How dare you? So, uh, How dare you tell uh, me uh, what so is beautiful? So much depends on a red wheelbarrow in the rain. Uh, you know, that How dare you that, that's tell me right what is, quote, beautiful, all right, white man? Colonizer. Colonizer. And this brings me hey, to what I was thinking complete, about today. Uh, rabbit trail, but did you see that video clip of uh, of a couple of people in Portland where uh, they, they get in an accident and this a native man, I believe, is yelling at this white woman about how she's an evil colonizer and she, being a, a liberal... Uh, Portlandite, Port, Portland, Portlandian, Oregonian, being a liberal Oregonian, is saying, "No, I'm on your side." You know, if you want to solve racism, <laughs> they're yelling at each other, and it's like, "You two, you two idiots." Ah, uh, delightful! I did see that, but what I was getting at the heart of here today is that um. Clothing. Well, okay, postmodernism, it manifests itself in many ways. Clothes are one of them. If you've rejected, you know, overarching narratives, there's no objective beauty, there's no objective standards. You know, it's up to you to define what, what life is, you know, for you and your standards. And accepting anything anybody else pushes on you is accepting this, this false thing, right? If society has an expectation of you, some kind of like personal responsibility or like a responsibility to look nice or something, then that 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 is not valid because that is a that is a uh, it's just a, it's an act of power. Society is just trying to exert some kind of power over you to force you into That's a box. That's why I keep telling my mom when she tells me to shower, but she won't listen. And so you've Mom, ended up I'm now. I'm busy moderating my subreddit. Literally every bad thing, every way that America's de- people don't see this, and I don't understand why. But every way America's degenerated since the '60s, it's it's all the result of postmodern thought seeping into every institution. This idea that there's no objective standard or anything, and that any any kind of overarching well, I think, thing I think is if we a want, lie. Really to and that's back how you another layer up. beyond that. 
I think it, like you, like you said, it just goes straight to communism. Yes, well, it's just communism dressed up a bit, and they just retooled a couple definitions. They got postmodernism when it comes to intellectual thought and art and culture, and then uh, sexual promiscuity when it comes to uh, interpersonal relationships. Yeah, well, no one can tell you what what is good or, or right. You know, that's now uh, you know that's your decision. Uh, anyway, where was I? Yes, this occurred to me. I mean, everyone knows that everybody dresses like slobs now, but it occurred to me. I was on the I was dropping by a street corner the other day in town, and I, I looked know, at the I have my basketball shorts and T-shirt on right now. I bought this graphic tee from Walmart, Jake. I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Waldo Martin the who sol- sells the finest of uh, mercantile and fabrications. Textiles. There's a family. Mart- Waldo There's Martin's family Textile on the Emporium. There's a family on the sidewalk. The uh, I assume it was a family, man, woman, kids. There's a boy, you know, he's wearing the polo shirt, pants, shoes, pretty normal looking. Uh, okay. His sister okay. with him. Yep. Checking uh, out so she far. She was about, yep. uh, I think they were both probably about 10, 11. The sister, uh, had, she had a little dress on, looked nice. And you looked at the parents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Both of them, basketball shorts, t-shirts, they were very overweight. They were very baggy clothes. Well, Jake, not every lesbian couple in uh, Eugene, Oregon is indicative of... Uh, this larger... wasn't Georgian City, to be fair. It's rural, you know, but... But it, it struck me how funny it was that the kids were dressed like adults and the adults were dressed like kids. Interesting. And, and, and thinking they, about that, I, I, I realized... Or did they when drop was them the last time? Were they, were they picking them up from, like, school or something? No, it's um, No, that's just how they dressed about. them, you know? Huh. The last time I saw someone in a suit was kid at church who the parents had dressed up in a suit because it was funny, right? You know, like, you take, like, a little, like, two-year-old and put a little suit on him. It's funny. That's the only time ah. you see it out in the real world these days. And then part That's of like it, a part notch of above admit, putting Teddy in, a, in clothes, you know? Buying yes. clothes for a dog. Part of it is... Teddy's um, got a nice Magnum P.I. I look live in with Oregon. this uh, Hawaiian shirt Bronson and Sarah got for him since it didn't fit uh, Lola. He's got a Miami Vice sort of a... Uh, sorry, sorry. Uh, go on with what you were saying. Part of it is Oregon, right? Uh, you know, it's already a more laid-back area. West Coast in general is, but Oregon's, you know, more laid-back, so you're not going to see people out in suits anyway. But but the point is, there's got to be a fine line there between wearing a full-on suit and t-shirt and basketball shorts everywhere you go. And that is all of society now. It is insane. It is insane. Jake, I 100% agree with you. However, you brought the subject up earlier. And as much as I appreciate dressing well or dressing better, it is currently 76 degrees out and it's 10 o'clock at night. Have you uh, ever wondered the 90s, mid-90s? During the day, I just... I can't do it. Have you ever wondered why it was when you looked at uh, old movies or photographs, you saw people in the summertime... They weren't wearing shorts, t-shirts, and flip-flops. Why, why do you think that was? Global warming wasn't happening as much back then. <laughs> no, it's because... Uh, Check. Well, they, they weren't They weren't sweating to death underneath there. They didn't even have AC either. The thing was, they knew how... Well, first of all, you know, people knew how to make clothes. People knew how to wear clothes. Uh, people wore materials that didn't trap heat in. But the idea, and I've realized this recently, like the thought of, oh, it's, it's summertime, I should put on shorts and sandals. Wearing just pants and shoes, as long as they're not like really thick material, it's really not that different. I think you only, you really only think it is, and it, it really isn't. 
It's, it's interesting. And it does not take, and, and even, even something as simple as swapping out a t-shirt with a thin polo shirt, like, what, there's literally no difference. It's, it's strange. We, we've conditioned ourselves. And, and part of the problem is you don't want to be the, because society has gone down this road, being the only one who's not dressed like a child. You, you feel, you, ironically, you're the one who feels self-conscious about not looking terrible. Uh, sometimes. I, it's I've like, a, it's like that old part. comic about everyone peeing in the pool and playing and laughing at the one kid that's not. <laughs> yes, exactly. I don't know. I'm just... Anyway, I did a closet purge the other day. I realized... I mean, even though I have nicer clothes, polo shirts, sport coats, and all that, I, I, I have a lot of t-shirts. I have a lot of t-shirts that hang in my closet. And there's nothing wrong with owning t-shirts. It's undershirts or shirts for, like, you know, just hanging around the house. But uh, the gym? I'm wearing them all over, you know? Looks, you, you, And I'm just, I'm just fitting in with everybody who's just dressing down because everyone else is dressing down. Nobody wants to rock that boat. And, uh, you know, you got a 40-year-old man in ill-fitting t-shirts, and that's just society now. <laughs> it's just society now. Anyway, I did a closet purge, got rid of All most the better of my, for it, I say. Most of my clothes. That we've thrown and, off the uh, stuffy, just got... stuffy traditions of our parents, you know? It's uh, the, the whole thing about, you know, dressing nicely and... Uh, Sexual purity and not having not having sex with just that's an overarching narrative, McLean. It is not valid. It is not my truth. McLean. Also, I need to get an abortion because truth. I might one day end up stuck with an unplanned pregnancy with someone that I hate. So anyway, I'm gonna go pick up my latest. Uh, what, what's what are you selling over there, Walmart? Oh, got your shirt with a logo from a Netflix TV show. I'm gonna wear that. I'm gonna wear that. I'm an adult. I'm gonna wear that. Why am I depressed? I wonder. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, this is an interesting essay I stumbled across. Why grown men don't want to dress like grown men. On the day I turned 20, I was sitting in my parents' basement on an ugly tan corner couch they had bought at a furniture warehouse. I was watching TV, not a specific show, just watching TV. I was wearing an old pair of jeans and one of my birthday presents, although I don't remember who gave it to me. It was a swirling, multicolored, tie-dyed t-shirt with a stream of Grateful Dead bears dancing in a swirl to infinity. Uh, I love this t-shirt because it, it represented joy, lazy summer days, and expanding your mind. My dad, on the other hand, was not impressed. Tie-dye t-shirt, teddy bears, an assault of color. He sat down across from me on the couch, in jeans and a polo shirt, looked disdainfully at my tie-dye and said, You're a man now, you should start dressing like one. I sat there in silence with no reply. He'd never commented on my manliness before, and certainly never made an association between clothes and growing up, and it's not like he wore suits or blazers every day, if ever. Instead of internalizing what he said, I shoved it on that shelf in my head labeled Stuff Old People Say, and contented myself that my generation knew better. We knew that we could wear whatever we wanted, whenever we wanted, and it just so happens that I'm wearing the exact same thing everyone else is wearing. T-shirt and shorts. Ugh. That's funny, because people claim it's individuality, right? Like, oh man, I don't need to dress up, I'm wearing, I can express my individual. What are you wearing? You know, t-shirt and jeans. <laughs> Okay, what'd you wear yesterday? T-shirt and jeans. Day before that, T-shirt and jeans. Shut up. 
Not only did we know better than his generation, we were proud of not growing up. We idolize our childhoods. We collect toys, we watch cartoons, wishing we were 10 years old again. In fact, my extended adolescence lasted well beyond my 20s into my 30s, and I am not alone. Far from it. The generations before and after mine were also encouraged to not grow up. Because, you know, that's just buying into that overarching narrative, you know? You don't want to... You don't want to buy into that, man. That's a lie. That's 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 uh, that's oppressive, actually. That's squelching who you truly are. This attitude has taken root most clearly in how many people dress. Up until the 60s, in every culture and every time, boys aspired to dress like men. In fact, most of their clothes were just miniature versions of grown-up clothes, or children's clothes were specifically and only worn by children, like short pants in England. Then the counterculture movement of the 60s challenged everything about Western values. Read also postmodernism, because that's essentially what it was, including and especially what it meant to be a grown-up. Adults were uptight, out of touch, don't trust anyone over 30, and grown-ups are the cause of everything wrong in the world, from war to slavery to sexism. Youth is the salvation. And for the first time in human history, men started to dress like children. Fathers asked their sons for fashion advice. The passing and superficial whims of the young were foisted on the old. For the next few decades, the traditional ways of dress for grown men were stripped away from hats to suits to shoes. All of it was replaced with what kids had worn. Ball caps, t-shirts, sneakers. I've written before on the social roots of this movement away from being... Bah, messed up that sentence. <laughs> for men, that meant an attack on the uniform of the grown man. I've often heard something akin to this statement. Mr. Thompson? Oh no, Mr. Thompson's my father. I'm just Steve. It suggests that there's still, even today, a deeply rooted fear of many men of being associated with an old definition of manhood. So, so much has been lost, and I'm not just talking about cufflinks and collar stays. Our very image of ourselves is based on the flawed model. Children, after all, are not examples of humanity at its best. Children in affluent developed countries, at least, they don't take responsibility, they're not resilient, they're not resourceful, their empathy and compassion are fleeting and unreliable, they cannot easily control their emotions or their urges. Well, trying to control those things is suppressing your true self. I'm a, I'm a little offended. Hmm. Suppressing my urges? What is this monstrous ideology? When you feel... And, and so... When you dress as a kid, myself. you are not only sane... When you dress as a kid, you're saying to society, I'm not that old kind of manhood, but you're also saying, I won't take responsibility for my actions and I am not trustworthy. As I write this, I'm aware that when I dressed like a kid, even in my 30s, I didn't feel irresponsible and untrustworthy. I was still doing my best to be a good person, but I most certainly didn't feel like an adult. What that meant for me was that I was missing a belief in myself and my own abilities, a confidence when I entered a room or a new situation. Since I equated that confidence with overbearing masculinity, I shied away from it. And so while I looked at my dad's generation with derision from the outside, inside I felt a reluctant admiration for their fortitude and self-assurance. My journey towards building a wardrobe arose out of a desire to put away childish things and accept the fact that I am an adult. Not only accept that fact, but celebrate it. I will concede, however, that it's easier said than done. Being an adult is difficult as it should be, there's hard work to be done, blah 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 blah. So before we start looking at the wardrobes, we must first look at ourselves. While I do believe dress can help you become who you want to be, it begins with an internal desire to be an adult. As Hemingway said, there's nothing noble in being superior to your fellow man. True nobility is being superior to your former self. Anyway, um... 
the point is, adults everywhere just dress. They, they dress like children. I, I, it's, it's endlessly amazing to me. Um, I was listening to an interview with it was Jordan Peterson. He was talking about he had gone to Washington D.C. Right. And so that's, you know, important place where, where people from all over the country come to see these monuments and everything. And all of the adults were dressed like their children. And, and, and the, they looked like uh, kids who, who, who had had a bicycle pump stuck in them. And they were inflated. Uh, especially, especially the fat ones, you know. I'm throwing that hey, in whoa, myself. Whoa, you know, it's whoa, just me. Whoa, easy there, buddy. I mean, even when I'm on the, even on the topic of fat, it, it's funny to me. Dressing better literally makes everyone look better. Everyone looks better. Literally everyone looks better in a suit as long as it, you know, fits them. Even the fat people. Fat people look better in suits. I don't know what you do about the women, but it's still true. It's still true. It's like women versions of, of dressing nicer, you know? But I'm, I'm just... Well, since I am now going to be a uh, student senator for the College of Arts and Letters at Iowa State University... Maybe I should start dressing better, Jake, when I hit campus this I mean, like, fall. The simple, the, the like bare minimum simplest thing you can do is just have a sport coat. I think, seriously, just like... Uh, That's true. Maybe the um, beat-up uh, hunting sweatshirts I've been looking for in the thrift shop shouldn't be my top priority. Hmm. Uh, n- no. Interesting. Um, Goodwill's usually pretty good about carrying uh, just jacket suits suit jackets to sport I actually did find the other day because I've, I've been going around um, I, I, I've had a bunch of sport coats I lost weight they didn't fit anymore so got rid of them and I've been going around the last few days looking for new ones I found a really good one it's like a college professor type of sport that's actually I, I wore it last night and a friend said to me you look like a college professor and I'm like yes that is exactly what I'm going for it was great I found a good Scottish tweed one and I found a, a full suit that actually it fits me for the most part. It's like a full three-piece suit. I'm gonna I'm gonna take it in and have it tailored. I don't know when the opportunity will arise for maybe maybe I'll have to attend a funeral sometime soon. I don't know. But I, I just like that I have it. I'm glad that I have one. It's, it's pretty good quality too. I, I like it a lot. But uh, Goodwill's pretty good for that. Um yeah. Let's see here. Anyway, I, I, I somehow... It was a long, winding road, but we got from postmodernism to clothes, and here we are. I'm looking for something. Hold on. The problem is, sometimes you give people this advice, and, and you know, you see it on the internet, which is why you, you, you end up reticent to even dip your toe into, into dressing better at first, just because you look online and you see so many examples of, like, goofy goobers, you know, goofballs, who are like, Alright, well, guess it's time to be a, a, a manly adult man. What does that consist of? Oh, dressing nice. Okay, I'm gonna get into my ill-fitting three-piece suit. There we go. Alright. Just, ugh, comb my greasy hair back on my head. Hello, ladies. There's an aspect to that where, like, you're not quite self... Or you, yeah, you don't quite have self-awareness. And uh, it's like, no, no, first take a shower, all right? Then get a haircut, there you go. Uh, shave, maybe lose a little weight. Um, don't start... Don't just wear a full three-piece suit everywhere because that's weird, dude. Like, that's... Like, you wear a sport coat everywhere, all right? And then for nicer events, you, you dress a little nicer. It's like, it's not... You don't wear a three-piece suit to... Uh, to pick up your uh, your order at Subway, you know what I mean? Unless you work as a lawyer and you're on your way home, but 
Yes, I, I'm trying to figure out what the difference is. It's like it's like you're trying you're trying to do the thing, but you don't know the rules, and and it's just very awkward. Or like you'll you'll buy a suit or something, or you'll buy you just buy a sport coat or whatever, and it won't fit because you don't know how it's supposed to fit. You look silly, you feel silly, and then you never do it again. Like that's that that seems to be a common thing. But uh, but it, it is funny though. You you brought up like dressing up in in, in the summertime. Um, and it's it's the kind of thing where, like, we used to know how to do that. There's there's they make they made they make jackets and suits out of materials like a uh, seersucker, which is like a really thin cotton or linen suits, that kind of stuff. Uh, it would probably have been more the case down south that they were doing that, but that's what you would wear in the summer. Uh, you know, it got hot enough, you just took the jacket off and walked around well, with your waistcoat. I think in your sleeves it gets hot enough in the summer. You can uh, wear those southern a good clothes. waistcoat. That's that's what you should find. Technically pronounced Westcott, but huh. anyway. But the point is, the point is, it's really once you have, you gotta make it so that. You Hang don't on, I gotta take a look at my closet. Keep talking. Morning. Oh yeah, make it so you don't have to think about. Well, part of the part of the clothing purge was uh, I, I put away the few T-shirts I wanted to keep, put them away in drawers, and and, and the stuff that I have hanging in front of me to choose from when, when I when I get up is is the clothes that I want to wear. It takes a little bit of planning, but then after that, it's like it. It, you get it down to a routine, you figure out what goes with what. Um, so I have plenty of sweaters that I wore quite often uh, throughout the wintertime. I do think, Jake, I might uh, I might need to invest in some khakis. Yeah. Well, khakis are more of a summertime thing. A sport coat and a, and a really dark pair of jeans goes good. really well together. Um, especially like a, just a brown color sport coat. But it is really strange, and, and, and the fact that this has taken such hold in, in culture, I mean, you can see it just walking into any, like, regular store, walking to, like, I mean, I, I know, I know, Walmart is on, like, the, the lower end of, like, you know, you don't go to Walmart to buy nice things, but I mean, even in Walmart, it used to be they had a pretty good variety of just, like, collared shirts, and then you can still find, no, no, you can't really, <laughs> you can't, the majority of things in the men's section are t-shirts, sweatshirts and like weird new designs and like athletic clothes and like if you want if you want a shirt that's not childish it's like over in this corner over here maybe maybe if we're if we're carrying it uh Get target for like one for, winter uh, 12 dollars or whatever target for one winter was selling uh sport coats a while back of course you know they're not not the best quality but they were at least selling them they're gone now um yeah, it's, it's, it's very strange. I... Culture's in a horrible, horrible place. Postmodernism does that to you. Makes you nihilistic and suicidal. Because, well, I mean, think about it. If, uh, let's say you grew up, you know, you're an atheist, of course, because you were raised in uh, the modern school system, and then uh, you're told that there's no meaning. Uh, it's all just subjective, and it's power all the way down. Uh, nothing matters, ultimately. Uh, it's just groups versus groups, and, uh, all right, now go out and be happy. I'm gonna shoot myself. I think I might need a nice pair of uh, leather uh, leather shoes, leather leather uh, loafer type shoes to wear to campus this year. Ah, oh, I see you've uh, read the what, what? What did I send you? It was over on Art of Manliness. It was. Well, I read I read the 1940 whatever style guide, and then I read the article they had about like modern. 
Uh, yeah, this was uh, back to college wardrobe in 1948. As college students head back to school, they're probably doing so dressed in cargo shorts, flip-flops, and hoodies. Yet if we turn back the clock half a century, a college man's wardrobe is quite different. The following feature appeared in September 48. Hooded sweatshirts, man. It's just, just the downfall of society. I don't know. I, 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 I threw out half of the ones I had just because it's very tempting. You, you think in your head, it's like, I don't want to do uh, it. I'm just going to throw in a hooded sweatshirt. You, uh, and go out. It's, do you, could you give them to me? No. Um... Yeah, I stuffed sure. them away somewhere too, but I mean, it's 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 strange. It's not like it takes more time to grab the sport coat instead of the hooded sweatshirt, and on the plus side, you don't look like a uh, teenage bum in your twenties or thirties or whatever you are. I remember um, when I used to work catering, uh, there was an event that we had where we had to tie, where we had to have ties on, I think, and one of the. Uh, one of the chefs that worked uh, for the catering as well, his name was Alex, and he was like a younger guy, like college days. He was from Wisconsin, actually, from Green Bay. And uh, he's like, oh, here, I, I didn't know how to tie the tie. As I, I think it was a bow tie, yeah. And he's like, here, I can, I can help you with that. I'm like, oh, you know how to tie a bow tie? He's like, yeah, I used to wear one every day at school. It's like, uh, why? He's like, I like getting beat up. <laughs> I thought I was going to say there was a dress code, which, by the way, I am completely, totally, 100% in favor of dress codes. Mm. They're, they're all gone now, by the way. I Have think burning that? the all flag should be illegal, so that's a, that's a personal freedom I think should be dead there, there, was a, there was a dress well, code when I worked some at Fred Meyer. I think some of like, the more like, private oh. Christian-type schools might have uh, dress codes. Yeah, I mean, a couple private schools, yes, but like in, I'm talking about like in the workplace, retail jobs, they're just gone now. And I don't know, maybe part of it's mm -hmm. like, we want to attract more more kids because we, we don't have enough employees. Let's just drop the, these things that we had. Uh, no dress codes. Our suit jacket's oppression, McLean, from the AP News. A sneaker-clad Latino state senator yes, in Rhode yes, Island yes, is yes, objecting yes, 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 yes. to his chamber's jacket and dress shirt edict as a form of white oppression. F female lawmakers yep. in Montana... Mm -hmm. Checks out. Complain proposed rules dealing with skirt Montana. lengths and necklines that are overly sexy. You see, McLean, um, wearing a suit can be racist be because, you know, there's no... The, the the only reason you think a suit is professional is because you're white, and that's what white people think. It's all it's all subjective groupthink, man. You can't tell the black man that the, if you think a suit is formal and professional, that's only because you're a white person. With women and people of color elected in larger numbers in many states, legislators have to confront long-standing dress codes that are sexist and racist. These rules make it okay for us to judge people based on the way they dress or how they look, and I just feel that's super problematic, said Jonathan Acosta, the 31-year-old Democratic state senator from Rhode Island. I assure you that what I wear does not influence the quality of the work I produce. Looking presentable is a racist belief. I couldn't agree more. Okay, what? Get Colton out of there. What's? We're trying to do a thing. What is he doing? This is the worst. I do not know. Um. So you're. What are you? What are your thoughts on cowboy boots in terms of fashion, Jake? Just uh, out of curiosity, asking for a friend. 
You wear the jeans over them, and you live out west. You're fine. Like wear a sport coat with cowboy boots. I live out west, and I wear the jeans. The western thing was there was a. um, There is no. There is no faster way to point out the fact that you are a fake cowboy than by wearing your jeans inside of the boots. That is that is ridiculous, and it looks bad. Yeah, I remember when we were in a, uh, like a, it was like a vintage shop in Old Town Pocatello, and there were a few sport coats there. What they used to do was they made western sport coats for when, you know, the rancher was going into the city. He'd wear cowboy hat and boots with him. It was like a sport coat, but it had uh, like a different tie. material in the shoulder area. And uh, I don't know how you would describe it. It's, um, I don't know, but it, it, it was very much a cowboy look while also being slightly nice. The, the Western Sport Coat. I'm sure there's a name for that. I, I don't know. Debates over dress have come up in Congress. Objections from female lawmakers to a long-standing ban on sleeveless tops and open-toed shoes in the House prompted former Republican Paul Ryan in 2017 to pr- promise a review. A Repu- former Republican speaker. Though it's unclear whether the rule was updated, spokespersons for Nancy Pelosi didn't respond to phone and email messages. On the other side of the globe, a Maori lawmaker, I guess, yeah, won his battle in New Zealand against wearing a tie to Parliament. He said the tie was a colonial noose and wore a traditional uh, high tiki pendant instead. Wearing unconventional clothing can be an effective statement of resistance or solidarity in the political arena, but dress codes also play an important role in preserving decorum, said Rhonda Gaelic, dean at Parsons School of Design in New York. This is where the pushback comes from. We dress differently for a funeral the way we do at a barbecue. Are there ways to convey difference or resistance while still conveying respect or formality? The strife over dress codes reflect a general movement toward more casual dress in modern society. When I look at the senator from Rhode Island, he looks more like a tech bro to me than anything else, uh, Richard Thompson Ford said, referencing the sometimes derisive nickname for workers in Silicon Valley. The Democrat-controlled Rhode Island Senate approved its new dress code Tuesday over objections from Acosta and other lawmakers. I mean, it is a funny thing. Politics was like the last place where you're still expected to wear a suit. Even in businesses, like, you have to look like a teenager if you want to look like you're cool and hip and an upstart, brilliant if you want intellectual, to be hip with, you know? hip with the, uh, with the tech bros. Uh, that also reminds me. Sometimes, you, you, I'll scroll through, like, recommendations for videos on YouTube. So there'll be, like, debates. Uh, and I think it was what? It was Jordan Peterson, who, who, who wears very nice suits, and he was debating a Marxist professor. Now, this Marxist professor, you know, fat, long hair, beard, old... Wearing just a plain black T-shirt, <laughs> it was just like the most. The, the, you, you can see the two ideologies just represented in physical form. You got you got John Peterson. You know he's thin. He only eats meat. He's wearing a nice suit to present himself nicely. Then and, and you know got a haircut. He looks great and everything. Then you got then you got what, what was his name? Zizek, something like something like that. The Marxist guy, total fat slob, in a T-shirt. But that's more authentic because he's he's thrown off the overarching narrative of needing to look good, right? You know, he's 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 not buying into that, you know, because now now he's his truest self, McLean. Mm. I know you think he looks that's like a right. big fat slob, but that's no, just no, the no. realism. He's, he's being indivi- he's an individual. Yeah. I think uh, the biggest issue, Jake, is that I can start like slowly incorporating more stylish choices into my wardrobe overall, but at a certain point. I'm gonna have to ditch my uh, camo backpack I got from uh, Fred Meyer in high school and actually buy like a leather briefcase type of bag that dad used to carry to college. Of horror of horrors, you might actually have to look like an adult. 
Yeah. I know. I know. You don't have to go People full on briefcase. You can get like sir just a, uh, mister? You could get just one of those like messenger bag type things or something like that. Like I have. Well, yeah, that's that's kind of what Dad had uh, when he. I don't know if he still has it or if it's around here somewhere. But he had like a uh, messenger bag type of thing that was like shaped, sort of like a suitcase or a briefcase, but it had like the leather fold over thing. It just had the single handle on it, and he had it had that for when he taught classes. I thought it was a stylish look. Uh, restaurant dress codes are racist, by the way, according to either.com. Racism in the zoot suit. Racist dress codes in schools are the new wife's only signs. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> I didn't realize. I, I, I could see you saying the dress code was racist because, like, the women are like, you know, they can't tell as much or something, whatever. But, but racist, that's gonna be that's gonna be a hard sell for me. Oh, that's right, because suits are a, a white construct. It comes from a white history. And because we have to that's throw true. off, you know, the overarching narrative, like you can't force your white clothes onto the black Yeah, okay, I got it. Uh okay, this is by Andre Perry. Ever since enslaved blacks arrived on the shores of Virginia in 1619, white legislators at various levels of government have designed laws to control and suppress black people. <laughs> okay, in uh, 1857, feel... the Dred Scott decision. Alright, it's gonna it's gonna take a while to connect to connect here. Uh, to bring this all the way up to now. In the Dred Scott decision, the Supreme Court decided that black people were not citizens and did not have the right to sue in federal court. You know, that's a, that's a long-standing uh, decision. Uh, you know, uh, we re- it's precedent, you know, it's super precedent. We really shouldn't overturn it. Uh, Story of the Ceaseless Guys, it's, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's part of the law. You yeah. can't overturn that. Exactly. That's how that you works. Don't overturn now. that. That's impossible. You can't yeah. overturn that. Unless you have a rogue court. Yeah. Uh, Abraham Lincoln, he rigged the Supreme Court, man. It's, uh, terrible. Our bondage continued even after the abolition of slavery. Southern states legislated black codes immediately after the Civil War, denying black people the right to vote and restricting their movement. In some municipalities, blacks were not allowed to enter after dark. Whites-only signs lit public spaces throughout the 20th century. It was illegal for people to simply be black in a country supposedly built on the unalienable natural rights of life, liberty, and it was crazy that those unalienable natural rights are why those things were eventually done away with. Isn't that weird? Anyway, mm. moving on. When racism is the overarching, unwritten law of the land, apparently it still is, any and every rule can it. Well, I mean, I guess uh, once you bring white privilege into the mix, I guess it kind of is, huh? If, you are, if you're gonna, if you're gonna view everything as a power struggle, and uh, if whites have power, you know, if, if if the white people have power, which is really just more like saying if the majority of the people are doing what the majority of people do. Then somehow, you know, that, that means they have power over you, right? If they're the majority, they have, they have power because it all it all comes back down to power. If they have power, that means they're going to use it against you. That means they want to kill you. Because that's all, that's the only possible motivation in this worldview. They would have us return to a period of illegal segregation. Don't need to bring back signposts to separate us when they can discriminate us in other ways, simply on the basis of how we look, how we dress, and how we wear our hair. You mean things that are malleable and can change? I, I thought the whole thing about racism was you're being discriminated against for uh, something you cannot control, you know, a, 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 a quality that you're born with. But now it's looking a certain way 
or dressing a certain way is a, is a, is, is, okay, all right, all right, well, moving on. When dress codes reinforce white norms, being black becomes a violation. No, those are just societal norms. What are you talking about? Yes, the society is composed mainly of white people. All right, all right, I'll give you that. But that's just the norm of society. If I went to Africa, you know, if I got on the boat, went over to Africa, and, and everybody in Africa, I'm, I don't know what they were over there. Let's just say, I'm an idiot. Let's say they all wear, um... <laughs> let's just say... Oh boy, there's a mythical, about to say something racist. Let's say there's a mythical country that wears only togas. And I go Wakanda. over there, everyone's wearing Wakanda. a toga. Right? Everyone's wearing a toga in this weird mythical country, and I and I don't want to wear a toga. And I look around, see all these people wearing togas. Ah, racism. This is racism. They don't like me because they don't like black people. And it's like, no, just wear, wear a toga. Just dress dress for the place that you're in, because that's what they do here. But no, that's accepting the grand overarching narrative. You see, I cannot do that. Racism. In December of 2019, Barbers Hill Independent School District in Texas, a suburb east of Houston, decided to begin enforcing a dress code policy that was on the books for 30 years, including sections on clothing, head coverings, and hair. Male students' hair will not extend below the eyebrows or below the earlobes. Male students' hair must not extend below the top of a t-shirt collar or to be gathered and worn in a style that would allow us blah 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 blah. Basically, get a haircut, hippie. Oh yeah. no, I might actually have to have to comply with a rule. Oh no, you can't do that to me. You can't make me. Uh, do something to, to no 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 ask me to take any sort of responsibility even if it's as simple as getting a haircut that is enforcing your power as a white man onto me you cannot do that anyway people complaining that uh, because they, they they're black people who wear dreadlocks so this is racist <laughs> okay Representation matters. The lived experience of black folks shows that an all-white decision-making body enforces racial biases and stereotypes. Having a racially diverse board would protect against the racist enforcement of dress codes. Though we do not know the racial composition of the district board, their decision to suspend this student for violating it lays bare their desire to control black bodies. Maybe they just want you to have hair that's not long. I don't... I didn't realize being black meant that you had to, it was like a rule, you have to have long hair if you're black. Like you cannot, you cannot physically cut a black man's hair, it's impossible. Yeah. Black men are born with dreads, Jake. In response to news stories about this decision, Superintendent tweeted that it is important to hold black students to high expectations, implying that dreadlocks are what, linked to bad performance? Well, no, they're linked to an uh, attitude of slovenliness, I'd say, if you're uh, trying to fit into a uh, looking, looking good, you know, cut your hair, wear clothes that aren't trashy, there you go. Alright, this is not impossible. This is, this is not hard to do. Yeah, just like racism isn't hard to do. Come on, Jake. But setting an expectation for me means that you are a filthy racist. Um, Having standards? Come on. Segregation era poster boards and signs have evolved. Today, people uh, create... cells evolved into. People create dress codes that discriminate against black students' natural hair. In March of 2018, uh, some student got suspended for a haircut with shaved-in designs. I didn't realize that was natural. That's that's weird. Discriminating against black people's natural hair. 
It was uh, natural. One seven-year-old was told she didn't look presentable. Um, blah 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 blah. Multiple detentions twin sisters who had hair extensions and prevented them from attending the junior prom. So yeah, enforcing the dress code is deeply racist because I don't want to. I don't want to conform to it, but also I'm black. Mm-hmm. Singling out black youth with long hair for punishment shows how prejudiced school officials would do anything, apply any rule to achieve a bigoted result. Wait, so were there white kids coming to school with long hair and not getting in trouble? Means, I, is it? I, is, is, is that what was happening? You, you probably should have mentioned that. That, that would have been a good point to bring up. Because if they were only enforcing the rule against blacks, you might have a, a case there. But I don't, I don't see that in the article. It's, there's no, hmm, just kids not complying with the dress code. Hmm. I'll just, I'll just assume no, that was happening. No. All right. Just, just, just assume there's racism in there somewhere. <laughs> so, Jake, you talk a big game about Every students. Everydayfeminism.com. Sorry. I say, I say, you talk a big game about students and businessmen dressing up in their polos and their cardigans right. and their shoes and their khakis. But what, uh, which is all oh, well and good. But what if I am a, what if I'm a, I'm a rugged mountain man who's going up into the wilds of Alaska, or if I'm going this fall into the, the river of no return wilderness to bag me a, a deer? What do I, what do I wear then? Uh, I, I don't know, a jacket or something. Like, that's that's a completely <sighs> different question than what do you wear every day on the street as you go about your life. When you go off to do something Outdoor in the wilderness, you're wearing appropriate clothes for that. I'm gonna go look up Bing Crosby hunting pictures. I mean, you probably find like a uh, sort of a modified sport coat kind of thing. I mean, that's what sport coats were made for initially. Was hunting. It was like a uh, it was a more loose fitting sport sort of blazer that you could uh, do more rugged tasks in. But that's back there. Everydayfeminism.com. I thought you I call thought it blazers and sport coats were the same thing. Blazers and sport? No, no, no. A blazer is a is a sport coat with more defined lines. It's a lot more like stiff's not the right word, but it has more shape to it. Uh, a suit coat is one that's one that's part of a suit. A blazer is one that could be one with uh, you know you can change the pants out. Uh, but a sport coat is sort of it's 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 got a bit it's a bit roomier. It's got sometimes it's got patches on the elbows, or it'll be of a different material. So you're saying I should wear this Danish style sports coat and go uh, hunt duck? You could. I would. Anyway, you, I'm trying to get to this very important it's article by Con- Carmen Rios. Sorry, sorry. For everydayfeminism.com. You call I it professionalism. I female voice. I call it oppression in a three-piece suit. Yes. This is almost as bad as the, uh, the <laughs> AC, the air conditioning. I'm a young professional, and professionalism is one of my least favorite social constructs. Because postmodernism teaches uh, that literally every standard is a social construct. Because nothing—it's all—it's all construct. Nothing's biological. Nothing's innate. Nothing's objective. It's all made up. It's all made up, man. We're told we need to look or act professionally, but we rarely recognize that it is code for appear as much as possible, as if you're something you're not and never want to be. In office environments, standards of professionalism are the law of the land, and they reinforce social hierarchies that value male whiteness above all. So this idea 
of social hierarchy. Pe that, 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 I mean, that's one of the big things that, like I said, Jordan Peterson talks about, is this idea of hierarchies. And uh, hierarchies are normal, natural. All animals and humans across civilizations, hierarchies happen because that's just how we structure structure societies. It's, you can't get away from it. And they're not built on because the Marxists think that, you know, the only motivation is power. So they assume if there's a hierarchy, it's because the people at the top are evil and the people at the bottom Jake, are Jake, there was no hierarchy in Soviet Russia. <laughs> yeah. It was the but people that were getting oppressed. starved to death and then everyone else, you know? There wasn't really a hierarchy. If there is a hierarchy, it must be based on tyrannical power. That is what they believe. And 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 the the truth is, of course, that uh, hierarchies are based on ones that aren't, you know, don't fall apart. They're based on competence. People who are able to do that, people who are good at what they are doing end up at the top of the hierarchy. But, McLean, now actually... Um, it's it's male whiteness. It's evil racism, sexism. They I knew it. White males at the top. As an office dweller, I've become acutely aware of how professionalism manifests in nine to five environments. People like me, queer people, women, people of color, working class people. She's super oppressed. She's being oppressed in so many ways right now. Aren't supposed to be comfortable when we're being professional. Not to go all anti-capitalist regime, but professionalism is a tool of the elite to keep workforces in their place. And often that place is defined in opposition to communities of color, queer Not culture, to sound completely and crazy here, class. You know, uh, like, a, like a lunatic or anything, but um, uh, boll weevils are oppressing us. They're... they're, they're, they're <laughs> Uh, Mitt Romney is actually just a, a bunch, millions of boll weevils wearing a human skin suit, you know, not so, not trying to sound crazy or anything, but. But McLean, it's all power, McLean, it's all power. If somebody wants you to fit into a system, it's because they're trying to oppress you and exert power over you. That That's the only, that's the only possible reason why that could be happening. I can't think of a single other reason. That's why, Jake, uh, that's why Jake's the main host of West Bros. <laughs> Professionalism reinforces a lot of isms and intrudes in their lives silently without any expectation of objection. Yeah, it's almost like you made this up. It's almost like it's not real. You know, isms is not a word. It's not a noun. It's not a thing. For people like me, being asked to be more professional is sometimes a direct affront to who we are. What, you don't want me to walk should, into the office every day nude and, and, and shriek at the top of my lungs uh, show tunes every morning? <laughs> Excuse me for not fitting into your white social construct. You don't think I should, I should walk in? You don't think I should walk in wearing a tutu and hucking pies at people's face? Okay, David Duke, whatever you say, man. They seriously believe that any standard, it's postmodernism, any standard is 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 false, and it's it's this subjective thing being forced on you. Except the ones they make up. Yeah, oddly enough, they never apply this to their own logic of uh, of uh, their their ideals. Those are subjectively, objectively good. Their own logic destroys their own argument, but but for some reason, it's okay when they do it. It's it's strange. I don't know. Landing my first office job required me to create an entirely new wardrobe for myself of work clothes. 
What is a work outfit? I completed a bunch of jobs, and by the time I settled into a 9 to 5, most of them simply required that I roll out of bed on time to make my way in. I was experienced, skilled, and efficient, and all I wanted to do was go to work. It was strange that the one thing I needed to do first was go shopping? After all, none of the work I do is impacted by what I'm wearing, and the work I do should speak more loudly than how I look. I, you know, I want to call this person lazy, but they're going to like some great lengths to uh, not dress up for work. So it's it, it, they're putting more effort into this than they would have if they had just bought a bought a suit. These dress codes make professional realms exclusive to people who can't afford to look a certain way when they leave the house. And often those dress codes are meant to create a visual hierarchy between professional people and the rest of the world. This reminds me, it's when we were reading an article about why skiing is racist, the argument was that it's expensive to get all the equipment and go skiing, right? It's expensive to do it, and so it keeps the black people away because they're poor. And so white people invented this to make it insular. There's this weird idea that because there is a standard, any standard at all, it must have been implemented because you're trying to keep out the people you don't like. Motivations, your only motivation is power. That's, That's all. That's the only possible motivation. Yeah, I can't think of any... Once you understand that, once you understand the the postmodern idea, then 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 all the stuff that you see on the, all this ridiculous stuff, all the articles we read on Respiros, you understand how they got to that point, even if they're completely bat s insane. You understand how they got there at least, because they, yeah, they've you given know, a, very like limited, the, um, a very limited, a very limited framework. Like the to journal look at the of a. Uh... <laughs> It's like looking at the well, journal like of a reading. failed expedition that went wildly off course. You know, you don't you see where they made so many mistakes along the way, but you understand how they got to where they are. Yeah. It's not that anyone needs these outfits to actually do their job. It's that the power structures in place here demand us wear them to wear this stuff to earn respect, and I'm not Why? into that. One of the reasons I'll put on that blazer in my office is to head to Capitol Hill. If I'm going to a meeting or an event in or around the halls of Congress or the White House, it's expected that I show up dressed to the nines. Was this written by AOC? I wonder how oppressed you are. I wonder how oppressed this woman is if she's going to meetings and events in the halls of Congress. The oppression (laughs) is real! This stirs up a lot of questions. Why can't elected officials take me seriously in my actual clothes being my actual self? Maybe it's because you're portraying that you do not give one single F about trying to look like you care. It's crazy, isn't it? There's, there's a reason why we dress up to do important things. Because it signifies that these things are important. It is the outward acknowledgement that we are doing something serious. Why can't I just show up in a t-shirt and shorts to present my bills to the floor of Congress? Because you look like a child! Ah. Uh, that's the other thing, too. Of, of uh, this completely different kind of... But, uh, there's guys out there who'll be like, Oh, why should I, uh... Um, I, I saw this a bunch. I was looking at that video with when Jordan Peterson was talking about dressing up, and there was these guys in the comments like, Real men... They don't care what others think of them, alright? Like, dressing up, that's like a- that's just- you're just- you're just being wimpy. You're- that's not it's like what a woman It's the classic- 
it's the classic, I'm, I'm so masculine that I don't care what other people think of me, so I'm gonna do this really immasculine thing. That's, that is a completely new idea, by the way. That has never been the case in history that men didn't care about men's fashion. Well, that's, that's, that just sounds like some lazy dude that's like covering up when someone calls him out on his crap. That's just... Oh, what? You think I'm not a man if I'm not wearing a, a <laughs> this uh, Mickey Mouse t-shirt? Well, you're not a man because you're just going along with the, the whole I need to wear a suit thing. And it's not like they don't care because they do care about it. There's a re they're not dressing in a, you know, a, uh, they're not throwing a, a burlap sack on. They, they're, they're dressing like the people around them. All right. If they showed up wearing, uh, you know, uh, oh man, I don't have any clothes today. I don't care about how I look. Oh, here's my wife's dress. I wear that to work. You do care. You do care. You just want to look like everyone else. That's, that's the thing. You're afraid of not looking like everyone else. Anyway. People tell us to dress for the job you want and not the job you have. The problem is, the problem is not that we want to look good. It's that when we want to look our best at work, sometimes we can't look like ourselves. That's this other weird idea. You, you have this subject, like mm. subjectively, you know, there's no objective standards. You have this true self and it, you can't have an objective reality come in and say that that's wrong. That's the same idea behind... When, when you wonder how you can logically claim that, oh, I feel like a woman, therefore I am one. Well, under postmodernism, there is no overarching uh, narrative. There's no such thing as a gender binary. If you feel like this is true, then it is true for you subjectively because there's no, there's nothing bigger than that. No other, no other reality has precedence over yours. Everyone's on an equal playing field. So if you're a woman, you're a woman, dude. And it's insane. If you, you, What's you, you're the, questioning what's the them, word it sounds that? insane. Yeah. To a normal person, it sounds insane because you're like, wait a minute, you're saying you will deny objective reality? And they'll say, well, yeah, objective reality is uh, racist and sexist. That's a, that's a white idea that there is such a thing as objective reality. And you're like, all right, well, can't argue with you anymore. You've reached the point of no return. There's literally no you're way to argue. You've one broke plus the one ability to think. Two. You broke the ability to think. You're, that's not my it's, truth. It's, yeah. Like, at that Just point, comes. literally what anyone says is meaningless and doesn't matter. Uh, I'm t I've been think sitting here for the last hour trying to think of the word for it. Like, the, this idea of oppression uh, going across different aspects. Uh, we talked about it when we were telling Dane about fatphobia. And end with a sectionalism? Uh, yes, intersectionalism, that's the one. Everything's intersectional. I thought you were doing a bit. Everything has to have this... I thought you were doing a bit. No, I... No, I... For the life of me, I could not think of the word. I wish I was doing a bit. I felt like an idiot. But every everybody oh, yeah. has to... Like you were saying, everyone has to have a slice of the oppression pie. Everyone's well, gotta be the, more oppressed than everybody else. That was the category turn. That, that was the heel turn that the Marxists made in the, in the 60s. They went from uh, bourgeois to proletariat and decided, no, you know what, scrap that. Th that that's just one of many ways you can divide up oppressor oppressed. Intersectionalism was the new idea where it could be along any ourselves. number of lines now. It wasn't just the rich and the poor. Now it could be your your. Oh, you're your not sex, concerned about gender, the rich? What about the, um, what about the, the AC at work? Is that Does that bother you? Air conditioning the sexist, McLean. Duh. 
Oh yeah, that's the other thing. That's that's where like the abortion stuff comes into play. Like the, it's this belief that if you believe it's a human life, then it's murder. But if you don't believe it's a human life, then it's not murder, because you because there there is yeah. no objective reality. There's only your interpretation. There is only your interpretation. And uh, yeah, just that's awful know, convenient. Downfall of society. That's all that. But I literally can't be wrong, no matter what. <laughs> exactly. It's weird how, you know, everyone has their own truth and their subjective reality and all that until I disagree with that idea, in which case then I'm just wrong. Not only wrong, but transphobic as well. What is a woman? Uh, a woman is anyone who identifies as a woman, look like. Yes, what is that? Oh, it's, it's anyone who identifies as a woman. Didn't you just hear me? <laughs> Sorry, my bad. Come on, man. You can't include the word in your definition for the word. Well, yeah, that's circular logic. But it doesn't matter because circular logic is not a fallacy in my in my view. My truth says that that's, that's not a fallacy. My truth. And if you think of this, that's your that's white truth. supremacist interpretation of Speak reality. Speak your McLean. truth, man. Go off, Jake. Oh yeah, that's the other thing. I mean, I, I, I didn't mention that earlier, but um, like like the kind of teenager who will watch a stupid movie like Oh Kingsman or something like that. And like I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna uh, dress nice, and it's just ugh, ugh. Of course, you need you, grow up a little first. All right, first be an adult. A all classic. Right? Then you can work movie, on a looking nice. It's fantastic. Ugh. What a movie that was. Oh boy. Uh, somebody went over to r slash ask reddit grown men 30 or older who still dress like their teenagers why oh the comments because it's comfy you gatekeeping twat uh, what is dressing like a grown up anyway I don't understand <laughs> uh, user user I'll grilled go, stuffed I identify as a grown up a grown up is whoever identifies as a grown up Use a grilled stuffed dragon. Imagine judging someone's maturity based on their clothing choices. Be better, OP. Can I judge your maturity I'm based on the username grilled Reddit. stuffed dragon? Can I do that? Mm. Um, I don't know. Oh, there we go. Let's see. So many good replies to this. Uh, what does that even mean? Uh, user knee-jerk nihilist? Huh, don't think this applies to me, but F you and everything you stand for, you superficial waste of an opinion. <laughs> wow. They really, they really do feel like, uh, they, they feel so attacked. What does dressing like a teen even mean? I wore jeans and a t-shirt as a teen and I still do as an adult. Does this mean I'm dressed like a teen? What does dressing like an adult even mean? <laughs> Uh, I'm not really sure what that means, but I like wearing hoodies because I love how they all pretend. What does that even mean? What is? What are you trying to? Whoa! Moral panic. Oh yeah, anytime you try to, anytime, anytime you ever try to tell someone there is an objective standard for something, moral panic, moral panic. I love that phrase. It's, it's so a moral good. Panic. It's a moral panic. It's, I can a, just dismiss it's a pretty uh, multi-use. It's the multi-tool of uh Because as we all know, as I used to dismiss, as we all know, McLean, there is never a reason. Of myself. 
there's never a reason to actually be panicked about morals. There's never a reason to, to, mm-hmm. to, to try and stop something. Uh, so if you ever want to actually Why stop something that you think is something? bad... Oh, it's just because panic? of morality or whatever. They're just panicking. It's like a moral thing. They, they think it's wrong. Don't they know that there's you can't judge one system of values over another? Uh, <laughs> user Gubble Buppy. Fashion is a foreign concept to me, and just as I did when I was a teenager, I still love Metallica. I can picture this dude in my head. He's like the fat 40-year-old in the, in the Metallica concert t-shirt who you make a wide path around out in public. Max DPS underscore says, because I don't give an S what other people think about me. That's a problem, don't you? Uh, so you don't have any shame? It's about keeping in touch with your youth, and you're much less likely to be bothered on the street by anyone. Socially speaking, how one dresses means absolutely nothing about who they are on the inside. Well, it might mean that you actually care about how you look out in public. It might mean that, you know. It might mean that you're actually, you know, responsible and, you know, weird, isn't it? There are some juicy questions on this uh, related on r slash askreddit. What is something porn normalized? What are some unmanly things that are actually very manly? I'm going to click on that one. (laughs) Oh, no. Uh, fathering. Let's get the vegans in there to tell me. I've also it. been called a homosexual by multiple other guys for saying I like gardening, growing flowers, sewing, wearing sunscreen, reflection, and apologizing when you're wrong. If someone tells you something is <laughs> oh, unmanly, tell them a real man would be secure enough in their manliness to not give an S about what they think. It's, it's really funny. So here's a post over on that. What is this? Like r slash relationships where this this lady was saying that her boyfriend is still dressed like a teenager. He's 27. She's like, why, why can't he just grow up and dress like an adult? In <laughs> the comments, what does dress like a teenager mean? Like jeans and a t-shirt? What, what line of work is... <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, let's say yes. Exactly that. Stop doing that. Sounds like the perfect time for my rant about crumble cookies. Crumble cookies... Jake, are you are you familiar with the the concept of like a, uh, a uh, like the cookie place crumble? The brand cookies? is very big. I've seen people buy them around here for events and stuff. Oh, okay. I didn't know that they were over in Oregon. I just assumed they were a Mormon thing. Crumble cookies are for women. I know. Yes, it's, it's a like, man it's does like, not eat. A it used cookie to be like, like designer that. cupcakes used to be a thing, and then it was yeah. But now yeah, it's, it's definitely a woman thing. Yeah. Because that's of course just a cookie, sure. And there's nothing inherently gendered about cookies. But, like, that specific type of cookie is, like, the super rich, overpowering, sugary covered, sugar-covered cookie. And a man does not eat that. I keep trying to tell Gage this. I Every time I've ever had one, I've taken, like, a bite, and I'm like, well, I feel sick now. I don't, I don't understand what man is going out here thinking, oh, I'm going to get myself a, a, a crumble cookie. I, grow up, dude. It, it goes back to eating, eating cereal for breakfast or, uh... Drinking, pounding down marshmallow baby soda, you know what I mean? What, McLean, eating like an adult? What does that even mean? I don't understand what you're saying to me right are, now. Are secure enough in their adulthood that they'll eat, uh, <laughs> they'll eat Lucky Charms just, for every meal. You're literally uh, saying nonsense to me, dude. What does that even mean? Uh. What does dress like a teenager mean? Like teams and a t-shirt? What line of work is he in? Are his outfits inappropriate for work? Are they affecting his life in any way beyond you just not personally liking it? Maybe that's the real problem. This sounds like a you problem. 
Uh, trying to change someone because you're embarrassed by them is going to cause low self-esteem, body image issues, and mental health issues, which you body don't do image. to someone you're supposed to love. <laughs> hey, you cannot ever hey, tell I, anyone should, that they could uh, improve. Stop wearing... I think you should stop wearing Pokemon t-shirts to your office job every day. Great. Now I have anorexia. <laughs> Body but that's, that's the thing. Postmodernism. You can never tell someone that they could be better than what they are. You can never recommend that they improve themselves because now you're imposing an you overarching narrative on them. You can't do that. That's it's the same thing with body positivity. Well, that that's how um that's how the whole thing with the gays and the trans trannies started was that now you can't tell them that they're wrong. That's hurtful. You just have to go along with their delusion and say that, yes, they are a woman. And it I used can to make fun of, him but to now wear... it's seen as, like, unthinkable to even slightly disagree with that. I can understand wanting your boyfriend to wear clean clothes without holes, but honestly, if he wants to wear t-shirts or basketball shorts, he's allowed to. You can't dictate what he wears, it's he's his choice. To. I'm a girl, but I wear men's clothing 99% of the time, and I've often gotten weird there looks and been called a man before. Do I care? No. If he's happy with how he dresses, then just drop uh, the issue. Like, yeah. You care about it because you're embarrassed by him. It seems like a you problem. You're embarrassed Are people by him? actually wow. not taking him seriously, or are you not He's taking dumb. him seriously and projecting? Oh, Reddit is just a great place for advice. Hey, my, 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 uh, my significant other, you know, I, I would like it if they actually acted like an adult and not a child, because I am an adult and I would like to marry an adult, because uh, I'm not a child. I'm a man child to too, is child. that a problem? What are you are you saying is are you saying it's bad to be an immature little baby boy? To be fair, the the issue is on her end, not because she wants her boyfriend to dress like a man, but because she went to Reddit with this question. Exactly. like she's got she's like halfway there. She realizes that, oh, uh something something's lacking about my boyfriend. Maybe it's maybe it's the fact that he's dressed like a twelve year old. Maybe I should talk to him about it. But then but then she like defaults back to okay, better ask Reddit. And then Reddit says, no, you're the problem. Uh, she actually did end up deleting that post. So I, I'm going to assume that uh, yep. yeah, things didn't go well. Yeah, I saw uh, that. She, uh, she, got, she got shamed she back into submission. How dare you think there's a standard? How dare you think there's a standard? How dare you? How dare you? That's white supremacist patriarchy imposing that standard. How dare you? Shame. 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 Can I just say that I'm a 27-year-old guy with literally zero style or whatever, and I just got out of a three-year relationship with somebody who constantly made comments about my appearance. I went from being a super confident person to being pretty depressed about the way that I look, even though style and fashion have never mattered to me. Please, let your boyfriend be who he is, and please try to let go of super silly, super, sorry, silly superficial things like his basketball shorts. If those types of things are deal breakers, break up with him. No. Nobody should be given insecurities like this. If he's happy wearing basketball shorts into a nice restaurant, literally, who the hell cares? This doesn't, that just means he doesn't let the way people look at him define him. Let's unpack your little story there, buddy. You were wearing basketball shorts into the uh, black tie restaurant. Your girlfriend goes, hey, can you please act like an adult out in public? And so you left her because that made you sad. Because oh, you couldn't you couldn't do that because that would be, you know, accepting an overarching narrative of what an adult is. You can't do that. You can't let someone else define that for you. And so you, you had to break up with her. 
You had to. Um, I'll, I'll say this for that girlfriend. Dodge the bullet. You dodged it. You dodged that one. Good for you. It, it good for whizzed you. right by you. Whizzed right by you. You'll never take my basketball shorts. How would you feel if your boyfriend told you he wanted you to dress more like an adult woman? That he doesn't like how you dress? That he wants you to start wearing skirts and stockings? Well, I don't know. Is, uh, is she wearing basketball shorts? Or I might, might bring that topic up with her, maybe. I'm going to assume that because she wants him to look better, she's probably not wearing basketball shorts or sweatpants out in public. Isn't that crazy? The Isn't only that... subreddit's actually talking about uh, dressing well or is r slash female fashion advice. Yeah, it's the lesbians. What do you, yeah. Well, that's the other thing. I was trying to look for a tailor in town because women have this innate thing where they, they do still care about fashion. Uh, it's less of a society thing or more of a because it makes me feel pretty. So it, it's still alive in some ways with women, um, but not men. That, that's just completely fallen off. So if you're looking for a tailor, they're all women-focused. It's all women now running, running the tailor shop. So it's really hard to find one because it's like they'll say... Because I've been looking around for one to get that suit I picked up, the three-piece suit uh, tailored. All, you know, alterations made to fit me better. And it's so hard to find one. It's like, do you do men's suits? And you're, like, you're looking in, like, the fine print of the website. I don't know. So it's a lot of stuff about wedding gowns. Oh, the other funny thing, the reviews on... You'll be surprised to know, McLean. The vast majority of people going to a tailor today, judging from the Yelp reviews, fat women trying to fit into their bridal dresses. No way. <laughs> that's, that's the vast majority what? of them. And it's hilarious. You, you look through the reviews. Whenever they post a picture, it's always, oh man, you got this resized for me just in time. Picture. Fat woman. <laughs> I saw one negative Maybe review. Maybe the dress wasn't the thing that needed to be resized, lady. <laughs> there, was, there was one negative review for replacing Eugene. The review went something along the lines of, Oh, you, you took my measurements and you sewed the dress. And then when, two weeks later when I... Was, it was like a month later or something when I, went, when I picked it up and it was too tight. And the lady had the gall to tell me that I gained weight. One star. I, I think I know what happened <laughs> here. Fat phobia won't make me dress any less provocatively this summer. Oh gosh, why the picture? Why the picture? Why is it always, every episode of West Press, if it goes on long enough, always comes back to the fats? It does, it does. This is uh, Leo Aquino on the website Hello Giggles. My Tinder profile is stacked with provocative selfies and the bio reads half naked on the gram, athleisure IRL. Every part of my presence online, raunchy selfies, decadent food, Cheetos in the bathtub, leftist hot takes, is curated to give off an intelligent, ultra-confident, thick girl vibe. Intelligent. That was the first thing I thought when I saw your Cheetos in the bathtub post. Brilliant. Genius. When I was growing up, I was always I, uh, told to cover my body. I the, uh, the She's All Fat podcast. <laughs> She's all fat? <laughs> I was always told to cover my body. If a neckline dared to elude the cleavage, I would pull my shirt up to my neck. Fat bodies are automatically seen as provocative. And we're policed when we show up in the same revealing outfit that makes our skinny friends feel confident. I'll tell you why that is, if you're wondering why. Because it's gross. You're oh, imposing an overarching grand narrative of body shape, you racist, white colonial! No, it's because you're gross. 
and that's that's just true. That's impossible. That cannot possibly be objectively true because there's no such thing. You take your racism, your homophobia, right back where you came from, buddy. Alrighty. The curvy fashionista, what you need to know about sorority recruitment when you're plus size. <laughs> I got bad news about that. The plus-size community needs our allies to do the work. Collectively, we need to work towards examining the language we use to describe fat bodies and empathize with the ways that language has harmed us. It's up to they all the communists. They always want to mess with language. It's always language, man. They just they just want to get in and start redefining things. You know, it's always always the thing. Well, that was the classic uh, George Orwell thing. Well, yeah. Well, that's what they do. That's that's just what they do. You know, you don't go along with it, you get thrown in the gulag. Well, you can't change yourself, you gotta change society. Exactly. To all fat women and fems reading this, don't let any of these lamos stop you from wearing whatever the F you want. Bring on the mesh dresses on top of swimwear for daytime, off the shoulder root body on dresses style with a chunky sneaker cleavage bearing tees, and of course short shorts if conservative looks and blah 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 blah. The point is you cannot possibly enforce a beauty standard on me because that, that would be oppressive. That would be just an act of power. Exactly. <laughs> Internalized fat phobia prevented me from getting the short haircut I always wanted. Uh, oh no! I wanted to get the classic lesbian buzz cut that you see on every college campus, but I was too fat! <laughs> Alright, I think it's time to end it here. I feel like once once we get into the fats, yeah. you know, it's, uh, yeah. That's when you know the, the podcast is, uh, that's when you know it's over. Overstay and it's welcome. Big fat daddy fats. The, the, the episode just becomes kind of bloated after that. Oversized. We don't need an episode that big, that large. You know, that engorged with content, you know, it's just it's a little stuffed, you know. There's just so much stuff Still crammed in. It's just really taking up space. So. Goodbye. Too expansive. Make it beautiful. It's really hard to make something beautiful. Make it beautiful. It's really worthwhile. Make it beautiful. It's really hard to make something beautiful. Make it beautiful. It's really worthwhile. I was in this museum a while back. It was full of these paintings from the late Renaissance like a dozen of them in this one room. Every painting on that wall was worth $300 million, like minimum. You couldn't buy those paintings. Like there was like a dozen of them in there. I thought, wow, there's like $3.6 billion worth of paintings in this room. And people are making pilgrimages from all over the world just to look at them. It's like, what the hell's going on? It's like, yeah, no kidding. What the hell's going on? There's beauty in those paintings. There's beauty and it's magnificent. And part of what it does is say, you aren't who you should be. That's what beauty does to you. That's why you're intimidated by a beautiful woman. A staggeringly beautiful woman. It's like, oh my God. You know, attractive for sure, but definitely intimidated. Like, well, that's because you aren't who you could be. Beauty does that to you. Because beauty has that contrast.